0: Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship, or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon.
1: This morning's scripture is from Romans chapter 7. Verses 15-25 through I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning. Welcome to Worship Online. Thank you for your patience in staying home and just tuning in uh, to worship. I know it's hard. We all want to be together, but we are together in spirit, and our purpose this morning is to worship God, and we can do that from anywhere. So thank you for tuning in while staying home with, hopefully, you've got some loved ones nearby. Uh, if not, if you're by yourself and watching this, know that you are not alone either. Um, welcome to the family, and we'll worship together today. So let's get To it. The world is absolutely crazy. We feel collectively anxious, angry, hopeless, confused, disappointed. But these feelings are not unfamiliar to us individually. Uh, We've all felt these things before. I can't speak to the vast problems facing the world right now, but I can speak to my own heart and hopefully to yours as well. I love the meltdown that Paul has. I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do. Oh, what is wrong with me? I feel somehow better that the great apostle Paul, the colossal apostle, can't seem to get it together any more than I can. And it's no wonder. Our sin problem began just a few pages into God's word. Adam and Eve ate the fruit, disobeying God's one command, and the legacy of sin began. And it continues through time to the present, to you and to me. The first family could not resist temptation, and we don't either. We don't do what we know that God wants us to do. We know what we should do, but we don't. Every religion, not just Christianity, has a matrix something like this. Here are some rules you need to follow to make that God happy. We break the rules or pick the, just the ones we like or find a loophole in others to make us feel better. We compare our behavior and guilt to others and we find someone who is doing worse than we are and criticize them. We feel guilt and shame and then we try again. As children of Adam, we are born with sin in our DNA and it is shaped by our experience. We learn early on to perform for acceptance, work hard, make more money. Study hard, get good grades, and a better job. Look pretty, and people will like you more. If I do the right things, the things that are expected of me, I will be accepted and loved. Life will work out for me if I just do the right things. Good things happen to those who do good, right? And more importantly, God will bless me if I keep him happy by following the rules. Well, my fellow Christians, that kind of thinking is pagan. The ancients believed that if you were healthy and wealthy and wise, it was because the gods were pleased with you, with your sacrifices. And if you were sick or poor, you were obviously not pleasing to the gods, and that explained your lot in life. The problem with that thinking is that it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Santa Claus, You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, it it gets worse. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Creepy. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Thanks to John Lynch for that comparison. Why are we teaching our kids to be paranoid? (laughs) If it's not Santa, it's Elf on a Shelf or something else. (laughs) See how we innocently connect behavior with God's favor? We come to believe that God is the big man upstairs with a killer surveillance system and is just waiting to write down every wrong thing we do. So we feel separated from God at times And when we do, our first thought is often, oops, what did I do wrong? And it doesn't take long to come up with something. So we try to correct our behavior, to get back in God's good graces. And we may be successful for a while. And then, doggone it, sin comes looking for me. And sin finds me every time. I think it's interesting the way Paul describes sin as a noun, almost a being. Romans 5.12, he says, Sin entered the world. This twisted thing entered the world through one man, Adam. Sin came and death followed close behind. Death always follows close behind sin. The death of a relationship, the death of our finances, death of our innocence— So we have this battle going inside all of us all the time. We know what that feels like. We have learned the rules, the laws, and ways of doing Christianity. We want desperately to do good. We want to please God. But we all have something that we deal with, right? I wish I could change this about me, fill in the blank. I I wish I could be free of that, that that thing I just can't seem to deal with. What do I need to do? Read the Bible more, uh, study more, go to church more, p- pray more. What, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'll do it. And we try and we fail, feel like, feeling like we have disappointed God again and again and again. And when we're struggling, we feel like he's far away and it's our fault. Paul tells us what the problem is in that romans passage he says oh i don't do the things i want to do i do the wrong things i don't want to do what a wretched man i am wretched who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death well paul asks the right questions he doesn't say what do i need to do to be rescued he says who who will save me not what will i do to be saved who will save me And he goes on, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we see that we are all schizophrenic in a way. We have two sides to us, the one born of Adam and the one of Christ. Adam steeped in sin, always beckoning us to draw near, and the one born of the Spirit through Jesus Christ. Since we were born in Adam, we were born in sin. Sin contaminated Adam and us. It's not fair, is it? but it's true. We are born pre-programmed to sin. It is our default button. Sin does not need to be taught. No one has ever had to sit a little child down and and explain to them, okay, now here's how to tell a lie. Here's how to steal something. Don't forget to be selfish today. We don't do that. So here's a visual cue that I borrowed from Andy, Andy Stanley. Here we are, all are. Aren't we cute? all of us in our different kinds and colors and and ways and we are all born in Adam sweet smiley face still born in Adam oh look at this little can you tell he's got little hearts on it let's call this grandma sweet grandma she's so wonderful she make a great pie grandma you're precious nothing wrong with you she was born in sin oh look how pretty this one is looks pretty on the outside everything's got to be right with this one there's no sin in this pretty one hmm Adam Oh, cool. This one looks kind of like hippie-ish, cool, peace, love, Bobby Sherman, right? Still, born of Adam. We go on and on and on. We are all born of Adam. We are born with sin in our DNA. Sweet as we are, we are born in Adam, a slave to sin. And we, when we find Christ and we can transfer our identity from Adam to Christ our identity changes. Our relationship to sin changes. The power of sin is broken. We are free from the power of sin. Our, our default button changes. We, when we die with Christ, we are raised with him. What is true of Christ is true of you. We have to die to sin. Sin does not die, but we die to it. You can't tempt a corpse. We have to die to We have to die. Romans 6, 6 says, Our old self in Adam was crucified with Jesus. The body ruled by sin is gone. One of my favorite verses in scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Verse 21, golden, underline it in your, in, your, in your Bible. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ. God made Jesus to become sin for us so that we can be reconciled to God because Jesus took our sins and drank the cup of God's wrath for us. He died and Adam's legacy died too. Because we are in Christ, he is our master. We are no longer under the power of sin. Sin is no longer your master. When we accept the gift of God's grace in Jesus, we take on a new identity, not new behavior. We are not free from sin. Sin does not die. We die to it. We don't give it our attention. We don't have to. Adam and Eve, our parents, had free will in the Garden of Eden, and they used it to be disobedient. We have free will, too, to live life in Christ that he provides. We are no longer a slave to sin. Sin enters into our gardens all the time. But as we grow in the Holy Spirit, we learn to recognize the hiss of the serpent. And in that moment, we have free will. We have a choice. We can sin, coming up with all kinds of excuses for it. Oh, I'm not as bad as that person and that so-and-so. And and, give me a break. I'm a college student. I get to have my fun, right? Or I'm old and nobody can tell me what to do. I've earned the right to my opinion. Yes, (laughs) I did have that issue, but... So, did my dad and his dad before him. It just kind of runs in our family. You hear the hiss. You can say to yourself, though, sin is not my master. You might still do it, but at least you know what you're doing. So, here's the thing, fellow believers even after we are saved, we've got our ticket to heaven purchased, we have to choose how we're going to live while we are still here on this very broken planet. We've chosen which container we want to live out of, the Christ one, but we're still a mess, right? What's wrong with me? I know Christ lives with me. Why, why am I still a mess? And that doesn't just come out of the mouths of sinners who are lost, it comes out of us too. And it can be confusing, especially to a new Christian. I'm working with a mom uh, through the baby fold. She's in our Healthy Start program. So she's got a little one and she's just trying to build a safe life for them. And she's doing so well. I'm so proud of her. She's come so far. And she's just worked just harder than you and me (laughs) to keep a job and go to school and take care of her child. She's wonderful. And she's growing in Christ every day. And she called me just recently and expressed how bad she felt because she had sinned. She did something wrong. And it was really kind of freaking her out. And I told her how happy I was that she was feeling terrible. (laughs) And I talked to her about the gift of guilt. Well, she found that quite odd at first, but by the end of our conversation, she was thanking God for the Holy Spirit course correction. It's good when we feel bad about our bad behavior because we want to please God, right? Yes, I want to make him happy. After all, look what he did for me. And we get these course corrections, and we try harder to be good. Yes, I'm going to get it right this time. You just wait. You just watch, God. I'm going to really impress you with my Christian behavior, and we're going to feel closer. And I'm going to impress my Christian friends, too. And I'm going to make sure they see the best of me and only the best. I'll be good example for you. And then we'll feel closer. I'm going to behave myself. And you and I, God, we're going we're gonna to feel closer together. I promise And we try, and it's so hard. And we get frustrated and discouraged because we see our sin separating us from the relationship we want with God. God across the room waiting for me to get my sin behavior under control. We try so hard to manage our sin. We believe more rightness plus less wrongness equals godliness, I'm going to do more good stuff and less bad stuff. I'm going to pray more and watch less Netflix, uh, more good deeds and less gossiping. Uh, I'm going to try. And we ask forgiveness every night and try again the next day, only to repeat the pattern until we are exhausted and we begin to believe the lie that God wants us to perform for him. There's another way to have a relationship with God through Christ. It's called trusting God. Now, I know that's vague and mystical, and we don't know what it means to trust God. What does that mean? There's nothing to do. But Paul has reminded us it's not about our do. It's about our who. We trust Jesus to teach us how to live out our lives of who Christ says we are. We are in Christ, and sin no longer has power over us. It does not separate us from from God. It can damage our relationship with God and ourselves and others, no doubt. But God's love through Christ Jesus is stronger than sin and death. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can undo the work of the cross. So what if we looked at our sin from a different point of view? I'd like to imagine it like this. I'm looking at God across the room and I want to feel close to him, but I've got this hideous pile of sin between us. My heart begins to break because I want so much to feel loved and accepted by him. But I've got this issue. I've got these problems. Oh, I want it so bad. I want to feel mutual love, and I can't. But what if I change my point of view? And what if I see Jesus stand up from his throne at the right hand of God and come around to me and put his arm around my shoulder? And we look at my sin together. He might say, wow, Lori." that's quite a pile. (laughs) Let's work on it together. I have overcome sin for you, Lori, and you're an overcomer too. What if we could hear Jesus say that to us? What if we work together on the beloved mess that is us? We have a new self and we need to live like we have a new self, not just trying harder, uh, but to actually live out what is already true of you it's already true. If we could see ourselves like God sees us, it would change us forever. Let me give you an example. If you look at the DNA of a caterpillar and a butterfly, the DNA is exactly the same. You would not be able to tell the difference if you're just looking at the DNA, whether it's a caterpillar or a butterfly. The butterfly exists within the caterpillar and vice versa. The in-between time in the chrysalis Uh, The caterpillar disappears into a gooey substance, no longer a little worm and not yet a butterfly, but with all the potential of flight and beauty already in it. We live in the goo, and it is our job to allow the butterfly in us to develop and be seen, not by striving or trying to earn our butterfly status, but by simply living in the cocoon of God's love, trusting that we are new creatures in Christ. We just have to learn how to fly.
0: Thank you so much, Lori, for that word. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are thankful that you have sent a rescuer, that when we have tried so hard to dig ourselves out of the challenges and difficulties that we may have caused in our lives, that we may have experienced in our lives, that when we find our best efforts have fallen short, we know that there is a grace that is stronger, that there is a love more powerful, and that there is a God who is able. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, knowing that even when we feel like we are distant from you, that you make up that distance with your presence among us. We could not be more grateful. Help us to live the truth of who we are when we see who we are in your eyes. We praise you for all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. We have an opportunity to share together in a love feast. It's a chance for us to be able to offer our lives in grateful response to the goodness of God. We're going to start off with a song of thanksgiving. We'll pray and confess, and then we will share in this time of feasting, and then sing a song of thanksgiving again. I'll invite you to join me in our first song of thanks. It's a familiar tune. Let's sing together. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Your creatures bless and grant that we may feast in fellowship with Thee. Oh. Join together in the confession that is on your screen. Almighty and all-loving God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have reconciled the world to yourself. Help us to now be reconciled with one another, so we can once again dwell in the warmth of your love. Inspire us with your Holy Spirit to put aside the covering of pride and put on Christ, so we would forgive and be forgiven, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Scripture tells us that if we confess our sin, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and we receive that gracious gift in the name of Jesus Christ. Each person, if you happen to have something to eat with you, something to drink with you, this is a chance to be able to share in this love feast together. So we're about to give thanks during the song that plays. Share something you're thankful for and then take a a bite of what you have to eat, take a drink of what you have to drink, and just spend that time in gratitude. I myself am thankful for this weekend to remember those who have labored and earned us the opportunity to live with the comforts and privileges, the rights that we have also for the opportunity to share in communion this afternoon. Now it's your turn. Let's once again sing together our gratitude. Father of earth and heaven, your hungry children fed, your grace now to our spirits given is true immortal bread. Let us and all our race in Jesus Christ to prove the sweetness of your saving grace, your satisfying love.